went around this morning when people came in and offered, offered various people a happy Father's Day. I want to do that to all the dads today. But uh, fatherhood's fallen on hard times. You know, television fathers used to be people like uh, Andy Griffith or Ward Cleaver. How many of you remember Ward Cleaver? Ben Cartwright from Bonanza. Uh, or even Professor John Robinson from Lost in Space, or even the cartoons. There was, there was Dr. Benton Quest from Johnny Quest. And uh, all those shows, they featured fathers who were strong, they were intelligent, they were wise, they were kind, they were loving, they were good. And in the 1970s, that all began to change with the sitcom All in the Family with Father Archie Bunker, the hard-working and lovable but bigoted, ignorant, angry, and uh, often selfish father. In the late 1980s, we got married with children, with Father Al Bundy, who had a dead-end job and no redeeming qualities. And then there's Homer Simpson and Peter Griffiths from Family Guy. Both are clueless, selfish, incompetent in their marriages, incompetent in their parenting, incompetent in their work. And the not-so-subtle message to fathers, to husbands, to men in general in our culture has become, you are garbage. You may deserve pity, but you don't deserve respect. Recently, I heard a podcast in which a group of young women were complaining that young men no longer seem to be interested in marriage or any kind of serious commitment. But why would they be? A while ago, I spoke with a young Christian man who said that he had no real prospects for marriage. He said that while the young women that he dated, Christian women, were all nice enough and They seem to be interested in marriage. They also seem to have an attitude of mild contempt toward him. And he didn't want to spend the rest of his life with that. This was a Christian young man talking about Christian young women. You know, when you go to the the beach, some of you like to go to the beach. I don't like to go to the beach, but some of you like it. If you do like to go to the beach, you've got to put up with sand, right? Because sand gets in everything. Gets in your clothes, gets in your shoes, gets in your food, gets in your books, gets in whatever you have, you got sand. You have to expect it, you really can't avoid it. The attitude of our culture toward men, toward husbands, toward fathers in particular, is everywhere. And it even gets into Christian people. Happy Father's Day, dads. Never has it been more difficult to be a father. And yet, if you are a dad, God has called you to be a father. And he's called you to be a good one. I want to read for you a passage this morning, which I think is foundational to striving to being a good father. And it's found in Ephesians chapter 3. Verses 14 through 19. This is the word of God. For this reason I kneel before the Father 
from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And our Father in heaven, I want to pray that today for our fathers, that they'd be strengthened by your Spirit in their inner being, that Christ would dwell in their hearts through faith, that you would root them and establish them in love, that they would have power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep the love of Christ is, to know his love that surpasses knowledge, and that they, Father, they today would be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And as you work in them, as you work in us, we'll give you glory. Amen. In order to be a good father, it's important for you to understand that fatherhood is eternal. Now, I want to ask you dads, that's a kind of a funny statement, fatherhood is eternal. Do you dads remember when you became a father? You think back when you became a father. You weren't a father, and then all of a sudden one day, hello, I'm a father. And, and you may have realized that, that realization may have dawned on you as you as you saw the, the baby growing inside your wife, or it might not have been until the baby was born. Maybe you held the baby in your arms, and it was then I realized, you realized, my goodness, I'm a father. Never been one of those before, but now I am, and you are forever. You are forever. It was a role that you never had before, something that you never were before. You, you, you became a father, you weren't one, but you became one, and now you're a father forever. But God never became a father. God always was, always is, always will be father. Now, in our relationship with God, you and I become something that we weren't before. We become the children of God. John writes in his gospel, in his first chapter, he says, to as many as received Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. That indicates that's something that we weren't before. And so in becoming the children of God, we can say that God becomes our Father. But in terms of being a father, God does not become a father. Father is what God is. And the doctrine of the Trinity teaches us that the fatherhood of God is eternal. See, fatherhood is not, is not God's idea. It's not something he invented. Fatherhood is what God is. It's simply what he is. Now, the doctrine of the Trinity, just to sum it up for you, is this. There's one God who is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. One God, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. That one God eternally exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
There are three who are God. There are not three gods. There's one God. The Father is God. The Son is God. The Holy Spirit is God. God is the Father. God is the Son. God is the Holy Spirit. The Father is not the Son or the Spirit. The Spirit is not the Father or the Son. The Son is not the Father or the Spirit. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are eternal. That's the Christian doctrine of the Trinity. And what it means is that the fatherhood of God is something that's eternal. All fatherhood is a reflection of who God is as Father. And so we read in Ephesians today, for this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. By the way, on the front of the bulletin today, I noticed that the translation says uh, his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. That's That's a nice sentiment. It is a bad translation of the Greek. It's every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And, and that could be stylistically, but very legitimately translated from whom every fatherhood, every fatherly unit derives its name. And what that means, dads, is that your fatherhood is a reflection of something that's eternal. It's a reflection of God's fatherhood. The, the, the great pattern, the great archetype of your role as a father is God himself. And God is father. He is father, and he's a good father, irrespective of anything else that happens in the universe. And we who are fathers are called to be good fathers, irrespective of what happens around us. God is father, and earthly dads are to be fathers like him. And yet, you know, as we look through the Bible, you might say, we don't don't have a lot of, of biblical information on God's fatherhood. It doesn't talk a lot about God as father in this capacity or that capacity or what that looks like. So, so what should we do? Should we, should we just use our kind of sanctified imaginations, a sanctified common sense, uh, think about what it would be like for me to be a good father and then project that onto God? Well, the answer to that is no. And we've got more information than you might realize for this very reason, that what we find in the Bible, particularly in the New Testament, is that to see the Son is to see the Father. See, the New Testament writers make that clear. In verse 18 of John chapter 1, John writes, No one has ever seen God. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father has made him known. And that word, to have made him known, means to expound, to set forth in great detail. That the only begotten God, speaking of Christ coming into the world that the only begotten God who's in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. He has uh, uh, expounded him in great detail. He's made him known. The incarnate Son reveals to us the Father. 
Hebrews 1.3 says that the sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his nature. In John chapter 10, Jesus made the statement, almost got him stoned by the Pharisees. He said, I and the Father are one. And shortly before he went to the cross, when he was with his disciples and they were in distress, Philip said to him, Lord, just show us the Father and it will be enough. And Jesus said, Philip, have I been with you so long and you don't know me? Philip, he who has seen me has seen the Father. In John 5, he said, whatever the Father does, the Son does. And so John will later tell us after the resurrection when he writes his first letter, 1 John 2.23, he says, if anyone denies the Son, he denies the Father also. That anyone who has the Son has the Father. To see the Son is to see the Father. So if you want to know what the Father is like, if you want to know what God's fatherhood is like, is all you need to do is read the Gospels and look at Jesus Look at the sun and look at what he does and how he lives and how he acts and how he behaves in response to those he comes in contact with. Take note of what he does to those who receive him and to those who reject him. To those who are kind to him and to those who are cruel to him. The Son shows us what the Father is really like. The only begotten God in the bosom of the Father has fully disclosed him. Sometimes people will talk about um, the difference between the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. I'll tell you, I hear this increasingly in evangelical circles. The God of the Old Testament, the God of the New Testament. Friends, there's nothing new under the sun. And let me tell you that that idea, God of the Old Testament, God of the New Testament, is a very ancient heresy, a fellow by the name of Marcion of Sinope, who had this idea of there being these two different gods. And what they say, you hear this, right? You look at the Old Testament, and you say, well, the Old Testament, he's a God of wrath, he's a God of anger, he's a God of judgment. We come to the New Testament, what do we see? We see a God of love. If you read the Old Testament and you think that the God that's represented there is radically different than what you see in the New Testament in Jesus Christ, John tells us it's because of our propensity to misunderstand and misrepresent God. The Son has come to fully disclose the Father. To see the Son is to see the Father. And that's all well and good, you know, you might say. But, but what does that have to do with us being fathers? Particularly in an age that holds fathers and fatherhood in contempt. And dads, it's simply this. That to be a good father, you must be conformed to the image of God's son. You know, Romans chapter 8 tells us that being conformed to the image of his son is the goal that God has in view for all Christians, for all Christians. But today I want to consider specifically what that means for you, dads. Jesus 
told us this in John chapter 5. He says, you've heard it was said, love your neighbors and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? But be perfect, therefore, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. That statement, that last verse, is a lot of times taken out of context. Jesus has got a specific perfection in view there. It's the perfection of the Father in loving those who don't give love in response. And he says, you're to do this so that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. You know, um, in, in, the, in, in Hebrew idiom, and this is written in Greek, but Jesus probably speaking in Aramaic, and in, in Hebrew idiom, to be the son of something was to have its quality. So you remember that Jesus called James and John the sons of thunder. What did he mean by that? He meant that they were, that they were impetuous, that they were loud, maybe that they were violent, that they had the qualities of thunder. God loves those, Jesus says here, the righteous and the unrighteous, even those who despise and reject him. He still shows kindness too, still loves. And we're to love those who do us wrong so that we may be sons of our Father in heaven. The Apostle Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 20 to 23. He said, but how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and you endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Jesus came into the world, but you read the gospel accounts and he goes around and he teaches, he feeds, he heals, he touches, he loves, he saves, he reconciles, He pours himself out, and for that, he's crucified. For the good they did to him, they returned evil. But for their evil, he returned to them good. He didn't respond in kind. He didn't retaliate. He made no threats. He did what his father called him to when the crowd cheered him for it and did what his father called him to 
when the crowd jeered and abandoned him for it. And when they crucified him, he prayed, Father, forgive them. For evil, he returned good. For cursing, he returned blessing. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. You've seen what fatherhood looks like what it means to be father. And you dads are called to walk in Jesus' steps. To be a good father, you must be conformed to the image of God's son. It's hard being a father today. When people hear the word father, they don't think of Ben Cartwright or John Robinson or Andy Griffith. No, they think of Peter Griffiths and Al Bundy and Archie Bunker. And that's the brush you get painted with, dads. And the sand gets into everything. And to a greater or lesser degree, I know for some of you, into your own houses. You know, sociologists are telling us that a lot of young men, they just won't do it anymore. They won't do it anymore. And a lot of dads and husbands are just walking away. It's not right. But you know, in, 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 in so many instances, there's, there's little earthly incentive to stay. To be a dad today requires that you put up with societal disrespect, with contempt, with the default belief that you are lazy or stupid or selfish or incompetent or all of the above. Dads, you need to do your work as dads, as unto the Lord. You need to know that you make a difference and that from him you'll receive your reward. Your pattern, dads, is to be like the Father who's been fully revealed to us in the Son. He bore up under unjust suffering because he was conscious of God. He committed no sin, no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was insulted, he didn't revile in return, didn't return evil for evil. When he suffered, he didn't threaten. But he entrusted himself to God in doing what was right. And you dads, you're called to walk in his steps. It's not easy being a father today. There's little worldly encouragement to do so. To be a good father you must be conformed in all you do as a father to the image of God's son. Dads, let me pray for you. Our Father, I pray that you would look 
with your grace and uh, peace upon our dad's fatherhood has fallen, it seems, on hard times. And yet, Father, since the, since, since the fall of man, you've borne the brunt of humanity's contempt. And, Lord, you've not returned evil for evil but you've continued to send your rain to shower it upon the just and the unjust alike. Send your son on the, on the good and the rebel alike. And Father, help us to uh, walk in the footsteps of Christ. Not to expect uh, accolades or reward uh, here in this world from doing it, although I, I certainly do pray that uh, in, in homes today that there'll be some honor paid to fathers. But, Father, in our, in our culture at large, fatherhood is not lauded or celebrated, but it's mocked and despised. And Father, help us not to be conformed to the world in, in, in the way that would be very natural to respond to that, but help us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, to offer our bodies to you as living sacrifices made holy and acceptable to you through our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray today. Amen.